Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Welcome back, my kindred, to Blood and Syrup, a Vampire the Masquerade live play podcast. I am Savanya Dracul, your host through this world of darkness. The Coterie finally met Matthew Theobald, previously known to them only as Spot. Doris immediately became convinced that Theobald was responsible for Cleopatra's death. Val carried her back to the car and tried to reason with her. And when Theobald presented them all with bespoke gifts, Evangeline told a small lie, causing Everett to become paranoid about her intent. Theobald has offered to solve the blood shortage, but will his price be too high? Abandon hope, all ye who listen here. Everett, you're free of your compulsion. You're heading back inside with Evangeline, who is now allowed to talk because she took drugs and that makes her trustworthy because everyone drank <laughs> Doris's blood, the foolproof method of making sure you're not <sighs> suffering from a compulsion. What do you do? Matthew B- Theobald is still sitting at the table just waiting for you. Uh, returning to the table, I, th- I assume it's a little bit of a walk back just because yeah, we're in a massive warehouse. Uh, Everett will say uh, to evangeline just because also like in stepping out to like talk Everett was kind of doing it to humor uh evangeline because he feels like just with again with the specificity of those gifts he feels like we're being watched at all times kind of thing mm-hmm. um so it wouldn't matter uh if we want to speak privately um so on the walk back Everett will just say uh, um look i know you want this to just be over and done with but it's never that simple I'm thinking a little bit longer term. Clearly, we have things that he wants, and he's going to be taking advantage of us if we go into a deal. But mm-hmm. honestly, we're in such a state right now that I'll take what I can get and deal with it later. Does that make sense? Completely. We can Absolutely. have consistent intel from this guy if we play this out longer. And he wants a longer relationship anyway, so it'll make negotiating easier yeah i mean like what's the worst that can happen he withdraws his supply and then like we go back to where we started oh like, i mean he frames us for something or he just collects bad intel on us and tells our enemies i mean the, the list of what could go wrong is endless but let's not worry about that right, right. now <laughs> there's the motto of new haven we have a collection of them over <laughs> yeah. the course of the yeah. show but that's up there so you reach the table having had let's say that conversation hand on door but have not entered yet okay. so it's not like echoing through the space but <laughs> it's been said and you return to the negotiating table yeah uh thank you for your patience uh mr theobald um we are primarily interested in your information uh not necessarily on any kind of decisive action from you if that makes any sense information you give us that we can act on excellent i'm not interested in starting a little street war i could have done that myself long ago i don't doubt that and so uh this ongoing uh friendship as you say these terms are acceptable uh we return 
your friend, uh, Alfred to you. Alford. Alford to you. Thank you. And, uh, and you give us the intel we need to, uh, fully investigate this blood shortage. I can tell you everything I know. I feel like it will solve most of your overwhelming questions, but it won't give you everything. There's only so much I can find out from a distance. Of course. Uh, then, uh, we do, as I'm sure you know, have another meeting to attend. Yes. I was wondering if you were aware of uh, what our hosts had in mind for us. We were just told to meet them there. Well, I mean, from what I've heard, they have certain demands they intend to make of you. And if you meet those demands, everything will be fine. I see. And uh, couldn't possibly more be, be more specific about those demands now, could you? Well, this becomes... Hmm. Can you roll me a charisma and persuasion? Hmm. Oh. Right, I keep looking like, what do I have in persuasion? I keep forgetting hmm. that it's nothing. <laughs> I have nothing in persuasion. Uh, charisma. Three successes. Nice. nice. Everything I know about you, Sheriff, says that you are, shall we say, a straight shooter, and that if you say I will receive Alford back, who is unharmed? Uh, yeah, that's correct. I believe he's just been... Then we can sort all of these things out on an ongoing basis. I'm sure you've kept him in the best care. Uh, from what I've heard, the, shall we say, war chests of the Note Nostra is a little bit light on the scale of things, and they may be looking to boost up their overall ability to make war on the new Note Nostra, the Note Nostra. I can't keep track of their names. I have it in writing so I can keep track, but my guess would be they're going to make some kind of demand of something you need to deliver to them on an ongoing basis, some kind of tribute. Who are we meeting with? The Note Nostra or the Neo Note Nostra? Yeah, I thought we were meeting with the new Note Nostra. Yeah. And you just you said, are meeting with the new Note Nostra. He's admitted he mixes the names up. Yeah. But oh. your meeting is at the Blue Rose Hotel, which means it's the new Note Nostra. I hate that they don't have new names. We should come up with one for them and stick it to them. It's a great piece of psychological warfare. But you're meeting with them. Of course, the shall we say, classic Note Nostra also has an eye on you. Uh, don't believe you got into the city without attention. Eh? Right. If the new Note Nostra is pushing on a show, then the loyalists are going to be aware. Spies within spies, my friends. Spies within spies. I see. All right, well, thank you for the uh, heads up there. That gives us uh, a lot of context to work under. No problem. Uh, and he snaps his fingers and the same teenager who led you inside uh, just appears and hands him a piece of paper that he quickly glances over and says, all right, so you wanted to know more about your little blood shortage. So from what I can see, there was uh, Rosemary Bellevue of B Positive Therapy was where the business was being run through and the money for the organization came from interesting. Horatio Sundrop, the leader of the Malkavians, uh, he was paying her and funding the whole operation, as I can see. But right around the time of the town hall massacre, I believe your people refer to it as, uh, the payments stopped completely altogether. There were no more of the regular withdrawals, and I don't believe cash was delivered after that. 
I don't know why it stopped. It does not make sense to me, Sharif. Not what I would have done. He did not shut it down. He did not leave the accounts. It's all traceable if you know where the right places to look. But, une question, one might say. God, Evangeline wants to speak so badly. She may. I mean, uh, I mean, you do whatever you want. Uh, the, the way that we left it was like, you can, you can talk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Is there something you want to say, my new friend? Uh, only that... This is information that we already had. Is there, is there, is that it? Well, I just gave you inside banking information on one of your clan leaders that you can either look at as confirmation of things you are looking for, or it's not my fault if you did a good job, but there's only so much I can do. I can't read minds from here. Confirmation is good. That's valuable. Okay. And we've also gotten a little bit of in extra info about the new Note Nostra tonight. All right, okay. if you're going to press me so hard, fan, I'll get you in touch with my armorer. Might be able to get you some silver bullets on an ongoing basis. It's only fair, after all. His name is Spot, and I sort of borrowed his identity when I called you, so I may as well put you in touch with Spot on an ongoing basis. I cannot promise how deliveries will happen. Obviously, we have to do them under the radar, and a certain number are picked up over time, but I believe, Sherry, for you, we can get you a little bit of silver on an ongoing basis. However, you will need to pay for that. That's not free. And what does payment look like to someone who... Uh... Cash. Cash? <laughs> All right. Here. We can deal in many coins in our realm, but for physical goods, physical cash, generally. Unless you find something real juicy for me, but I feel like the information may be flowing your way, so I'll get different things from you over time. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, uh, uh, and I don't... I don't expect you to give me an answer here, but I... That's good, because I may not be able to. Apparently, my information is not always useful, he says, throwing a glance <laughs> at Evangeline. Well, I, I feel I uh, need to ask all the same, just given uh, the line of work I was in prior to this. How do you get all that information? The trick is to have little whispers and little friends all over the place. And the people that I deal with, I'm not going to name names, but let's just say they tend to be the less equipped vampires. And most of those are the ones who don't require a living victim to drink blood from. So let's just say you have a lot of ghouls, you have a lot of vampires of uh, certain proclivities. And with the rate they are making vampires in Calgary, holy shit, there are so many for me to deal with. I see. And you make friends of mortals. I'm on both sides of the coin. I mean, mortal lives are fleeting and borrowing and do not interest me in general, Sheriff. But at the same time, they have their uses. They hear things. They're ignored by kindred. Sometimes they're fed upon. And there is no one who talks more than someone who is no longer hungry. Well, that's fascinating. Honestly, more info than I thought you'd have for me. That that really is. I mean, the nice thing is all I told you was everyone is my source. Yeah. Stay smart, Sheriff. I gave you a lot, and I gave you nothing at the same time. It was a shiny turd. <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, if it's uh, it's all the same to you, I think we're ready to go. Unless, Officer Clark, you add anything else you wanted to ask or add? I mean, how can we trust trust you? I mean, here's the fun thing. You can't. But here's the other thing. Your back is against the wall, and mine is against a very similar-looking wall, and we are both facing the same way. So why would I lash out to the side when I really need to confuse the people shooting at me from the other side? 
You're rebels, you're criminals, you're hanging out in a place that is constantly besieged. They would pay any amount of money to have you dead. That makes you me. I've just done this for 300 years with no one else to draw the heat. Frankly, it's nice to have them looking your way. Um. Can you roll me a wits and awareness? Yeah. One success. You're not sure if you can trust this guy. Yeah. Do you know if the Neonote Nostra are actually wanting to make a deal with us or they're just going to kill us? Generally speaking, people don't need to call a parlay and then demand tribute if they're just planning to kill you. They could simply send an army after you. If they sent the majority of their forces, even if I warned you, you'd get overrun. They outnumber your people by more than enough. And frankly, most of their members are trained in warfare, whereas yours appear to be, shall we say, dilettantes. Okay. I, I mean, she looks to Everett. What are you thinking? You might as well speak plainly. No, it's there, fine. There's nothing. I mean, we just, we can only know so much. And yeah. that's it. That's, that's it. That's, that's always it. So. Wonderful. <sighs> I will show you uh, two things. One, uh, and he produces a smartphone and gives it to you, Everett. And he's like, you can see on the top, there is the number for the driver who will be delivering the blood to you. Here is where you can see the shipping manifests and the confirmation that it's coming from blood banks and not actually just people I'm offering in the streets. And uh, here is a second phone. It's a flip phone. And he's like, mm -hmm. if you could talk to Troy on the other side of that phone and just confirm that I can take Al Ford. I'll uh, have some people swing by to get him out of there. Yeah, yeah, give me a minute. And I'll uh, flip the phone open and dial the, I'm assuming, oh, the preset number. Or it, You flip it open, and, and Troy is already like, Hi, what? Oh. Hi, Troy, it's uh, Sheriff Fry. Oh, is there anything I can do for you? Yeah, some uh, some folks are going to come by uh, tonight, and he looks at... Oh, yeah, yeah, he's giving you big old nods. <laughs> some folks are going to come by tonight to uh, collect uh, Alford out of the holding cell. Okay, are they going to be, like, daytime officers? They're not going to be officers. We're uh, doing a little bit of negotiating here. Okay. Are they going to be from the mafia? I don't know who they are or what they're going to look like. They'll be the only ones asking about Alford. Okay, do they have, like, a password or something? Do you want, do you want to figure out a password, Troy? Uh, uh... Have them say Doris loves dogs. No one would ever say that in the whole world unless they knew it was a code. All right. And like just hand on the receiver thing of like uh, the password's going to be Doris loves dogs. Matthew just rolls his <laughs> eyes and then sends a text to someone. Yeah. Uh, and back on the phone. Uh, all right. That's uh, that's taken care of. Okay. Uh, Thanks, I'll be, Troy. I'll be ready for the spooky people. All right. Take care. Is Doris Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just. <laughs> oh, good. By oh. and large, yeah. Yeah, she seemed weird last night, so I'm glad she's okay. She doesn't know about my Instagram, right? I don't, I don't know, Troy. I, <laughs> I don't have Instagram. I don't really get it, so. Perfect. Don't. I never said this. Bye. And he hangs up. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and hand the phone back, or 
does he expect me to keep he, this extra he one? He does not need it. He doesn't no. care. I'll put it on the table. Great. I, I know how to call the station. <laughs> <laughs> Hi there. I'm Tom McGee, and I love stories. And odds are, if you're listening to our shows, you do too. So if you're wondering how you can help support our storytelling and world building and these wonderful characters and their sometimes ridiculous journeys, you can head on over to patreon.com slash dice. There you'll find a variety of different levels and different perks starting from as low as a dollar, which gets you into our Patreon-only Discord where you can talk about the latest episodes, all the twists and turns, and just generally hang out with some truly lovely people. There's a whole variety of levels with everything from advanced episodes, ad-free feeds, to of course at our $25 level getting to create your very own character who appears in some of our shows and sometimes becomes a a long-running friend or foe of our characters. So, if you want to get involved, if you want to help us tell more of these stories, then head on over to patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E and help us create more of these fun adventures together. Please take the gifts for your friends. You can... uh... They can enjoy them. I'm sure they can figure these out for themselves. Uh, the one for Doris is very simple. The one for Val, there's a little surprise if she can solve the mystery. Um, his uh, Everett's estimation of the nature of these gifts has changed a little bit. So he will he'll leave the uh, earrings and collar for Evangeline to decide one way or another mm-hmm. what she wants to do. He'll collect the gun and the two other pieces for uh, Val and Doris, uh, and get ready to leave. Great. Percy jumps up on a seat, grabs the collar, and then runs over to Matthew Theobald and just nods at him. (laughs) And Matthew, like, pats him on the head, and then Percy goes to follow Everett out. Percy did not want to let you leave the collar. Percy wants the collar. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Theobald. Theobald. She takes the earrings. And you all return to the vehicle. We're outside. Doris is finally calming down. Can we see the the end of the crisis as Doris finds her way back to relative right. sanity? Uh, no, Val, you you have to understand. Okay, okay. The dream. It was a. All right, Doris. It was. I get it. You want to be. You want to be upset at somebody. Let. Okay, hold on. Let me. Was it look? If I get it, this guy and whatever is done. But like. We're thinking about no, the I, next place we're going. There's going to be people who are scary. You got to keep your eyes open. Right? I saw him. He, I mean, Doris. he was there. Okay. You saw him before. We got to think about the people we're going to see now. But the next place. But but you don't understand if he was working with them, then he could be working with them now. Well, let's keep our eyes open at this next place then, right? Um... I know, I saw him. That's when the front driver and passenger doors open as Everett gets into the driver's seat and Evangeline gets into the passenger seat very nervously, not knowing what's going on in this car. Uh, You realize, Doris, they've returned from this meeting and no one is dead. That doesn't surprise her. She wasn't expecting him to all out murder us. Perfect. But, um... Mr. Fry, sir. Everything all right in here? Please tell me we didn't make any life or death deals with him. Uh, life or death? No, 
Barbara, no, Officer Barbara, we didn't do anything like that. I just... I feel like he's the one who overthrew Cleopatra. Why do you feel that way? And even as you're saying this, the fog begins to clear and you're not entirely sure of those reasons anymore. Yeah. 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 Because you saw in a dream him kill her with a snake, Doris. And it was also because I, I, I know he was, he was there on her last day alive. He was at the hotel. You were at the hotel too, right? In order to see him? Yes. So by that logic, someone could blame you for killing Cleopatra. But I didn't. Right. I wouldn't. I'm not saying he didn't. I'm saying that's pretty, uh, you know, we just came out of a a courtroom kind of situation. It's pretty spurious uh, evidence. I just, I just thought, oh, well, I mean, probably something we shouldn't discount, though, entirely, right? Like. No, not just, entirely, but at the same okay. time, I mean, you saw the defensive setup they had in there. I mean, what do you want to do about it? <laughs> we just, <laughs> I just hope that, that we're not walking into people who are in his pocket. He's a very dangerous man. Now that I do believe. Right. And so I'd like to stay on his, in his good graces as much as possible. I'm sure Cleopatra thought that. Until somebody more advantageous came his way. Well, then we'll just have to stay as advantageous as possible. All right. Are you, are you good, Doris? She kind of like sees you for the first time. She's like (laughs) sitting on you. She's like, uh, 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 yes, right. I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, do you want me to put you in the trunk? Will I make you feel better? No, thank you. I appreciate the offer. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then Val's gonna leave her in the back seat. Say, and that's when everyone switches to, to their seats. <laughs> yeah. So like I Val's think... driving again. Evangeline's back in the trunk. <laughs> Percy is in the back seat, but with a much cuter collar. Uh, and Everett, you were in the passenger seat. Do you hand the gifts over to yeah. the others? Okay, Val, uh, you are given eight gold rings. They are thick. They've got large gems at the top of them. Uh, do you tell her anything else about the rings? Uh, what else do I know? I thought uh, he told you rings. that there was a secret. Oh, in which okay, you could figure it out. yeah, yeah. Uh, he got these uh, eerily specific gifts for <laughs> for everyone. These are yours, Val. He says there's some kind of secret for you to solve about them. That's you're the only one who had like an extra, an extra kind of thing for it. Uh, Doris, these are some cards. That look like look like the cards you use for all you know all kinds of stuff. <laughs> How does he know? Doris, you flip the cards over and look at them. The backs match. There is gold along the edges of these cards, and when you look on the fronts of them, they are all from drawings you've done around the station. So there's a Jesus lady over water. There are the other weird animals you've drawn. It's all just allowing theoretically you to include some of your own magic in your card deck. Oh, wait, this is a good thing? That's entirely up to you to interpret. It's just, he's got this thing. So you could see it as positive, because it's like your images in your deck, or it could be creepy as shit that he knows all the shit you've been doing. Yeah! I think she's going to hold them up and just say, he has eyes in our department. Look, I drew this. These are my drawings. He he has eyes. 
Are those the fucking ants dancing? They are the dancing ants. No one else was supposed to see the dancing ants. This, I drew this in my room. This one I drew in the park. Wait, he has people in our department. Yeah, Sheriff. he does. <laughs> Who? Well, he talked about not individuals specifically, but a, a kind of person. Uh, he talked about uh, vampires who were turned but couldn't uh, couldn't drink blood or couldn't turn folks themselves. Uh, talked about ghouls. Talked about ghouls, which is, you know, the entire daytime team, basically. Uh, this isn't just in our station, by the way. This is all throughout New Haven and, from the sounds of it, Calgary, Alberta, maybe Canada, maybe North America, maybe the world. He seems old as hell. Someone's been in my attic. <laughs> I'm going to lock them in my trunk. Try not. Try your best not to let it phase you. Only because when that's not over, we got more stuff to do. Val's gonna take a look at these rings and is just thinking, okay, if it's creepy things that are specific, what would a creepy specific thing be? Mm. Obviously, the game is for Will. So, what would be a, a creepy specific thing for her? I'm assuming something related to Sheriff Cross, but she's only going to take a moment to look at it and try to think about what what it could be. Great. If you're studying the rings, I would accept intelligence and investigation if you're trying to figure out what it may be looking at them. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, it could be wits and streetwise if you're trying to think about what somebody on the street would know about what you were doing. Yeah. I think it's wits and streetwise. It's like what what creepy, weird thing, what vibes do I get looking mm. at this? I got just one success. There's nothing obvious to you about what is going on with these rings. Okay. You can't figure it out looking at them. There's no like insignia on them that speaks to the sheriff. There's none of those, those kind of elements uh, there. You know, there's something there. You just haven't solved it yet on these like gems on the front. They're rings. They've got some interlocking patterns on them. You're still not a hundred percent on what these are for. Cool. I'm going to put the game in the glove box of the car and put the rings in my pocket. Great. It's actually a statue, but we'll say it fits in the oh, glove box. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, because, <laughs> yeah. like, Will's got the game, but he doesn't oh. have that, like, uh, one in 500 think, limited collector's edition yeah. statue of his favorite character, I'm going to say, because I don't know Call of Duty. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. if it's you Captain Price. For <laughs> sure. Yeah, there we go. In Val's mind, because she is a mom and also a boomer, she's like, <laughs> it's a game. I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> this big G.I. Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Some game thing. I don't know. So it is a way. Uh, you've got the rings. You can come back to those at yeah. any time. We we have things to focus on now. I will worry what about What are you later. doing with them? Are they going in a pocket? Are they going to the glove box? What's your plan for the rings? Yeah, I think since they're small enough, I'll just put them in my pocket for now. Great. You pocketed the rings. Make a note. There are eight of them. Uh, you are in the car. You know your next location for your parlay is the Blue Rose Hotel, which was the traditional mm. home and HQ of the Camarilla. How do you want to approach this building? It is downtown. It is old. It is classy. It is also on a busy street. You have a cat person. Uh, <laughs> it is a tall building among tall buildings. Again, it stands out for its old architecture. There is the front entrance and there is a rear entrance. They're both fortified. This is not a place where you're going to be able to just kind of storm in and you know you're being expected. On the drive over, Everett would be asking um, mainly Doris and Val, but if Evangeline has any uh, information, that would obviously be very welcome of 
what do we know about this hotel's like layout and stuff like that? Because Ev Everett's never been there. Mm -hmm. I could probably tell him everything. Yeah, yeah. this is a building that you're all intimately familiar right. with. I mean, Evangeline's been there once though, right? Mm -hmm. uh, once, but then you were in and out because you eventually joined, like Sheriff Cross was training you. You would have gone there right. to deal oh, okay. with a lot of vampire things. Like it's a building, you wouldn't you wouldn't know it head to toe, Yeah, but you would know okay. a lot of it. Essentially the ground floor, very I large. Mean, I knew Sheriff Cross for like a couple weeks. Like. Yeah, but it means you were, you were in and out of the building enough that like if you went to a workplace for a while, you'd know the layout yeah. of the yeah. office. You might not know the layout of the whole building, but you'd know okay. the layout of the major areas. Fair. Um, so ground floor, there's a large atrium. Uh, it's all subtly reinforced against assault from werewolves, from the Sabbat, from other things, or at least it was. None of you have been there in months. Uh, it's got the traditional kind of to the right. There's like the lobby bar to the left. There are like, you know, sitting rooms because it still pretends to be a hotel for the general public. Nobody's really checking in, but it's there. Mm. Uh I can't remember the floor layout that I said mm -hmm. months ago, so I'm just going to be Calvin balling a little bit. <laughs> uh, second floor is there are a number of meeting rooms. Uh, that is where the ballrooms generally exist where a number of meetings are done. Uh, there's also, you know, a gym uh, and a pool area because they bought a real hotel when they when they got into this. Um, up from there, you have a collection of floors on floors on floors on floors of general hotel rooms. Those were previously used for Camarilla guests. Uh, and important people and people who the, you know, the, the princess wanted to have around or available. For example, like Doris had a suite. Doris was not a single room person. Doris had a, a, a suite that was available to her, but spent most of her time in her ballroom where she held guests. Uh, and then the penthouse at the very top floor was one massive apartment where Cleopatra lived and kind of held her own court, though she would occasionally bounce around to other rooms. But generally speaking, it was always more impressive to walk people out under the open night sky and threaten them among statues and other ostentatious statements of wealth. And this is hypothetically where Tostarosa would live now? Uh, Tostarosa was living at his like Spa? hot springs resort. Oh, okay. Uh, and he's not in control of Calgary. The new Note Nostra are. Oh, so Tostarosa just runs New Haven. Right, so he's the prince of, okay, got it, yeah. Cool. He would love to be the Prince of Calgary. Right. He does not have the muscle to be able to <laughs> yeah. squeeze out both of the mafia okay. factions. And who... he is not very cool about that. <laughs> or other Correct. people knowing that he doesn't have He's that. Like... So we discovered. For the you. sake of understanding these two organizations, we will call the ones who are controlling the hotel the new Note Nostra, and we will call mm -hmm. the others the Loyalists, because then it's easy for us cool. to be like, there are the Mafia Loyalists who did not join this new evil faction that have shown up, and then there's the new Note Nostra. I think that'll be easier for all of us for just general conversation. To flag, because if we just want this among ourselves to make more sense, the New Nightmare Nostra will, of course, call them traitors. I don't know if you want to call them traitors. It really depends on this group's take on how you consider that group. Traitors. Because as in every schism, each side thinks the other are traitors. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but so you know that you'll be approaching. Basically, you can go in through, theoretically, pull in through the two side alleys and the rear alley. It's got one of those mini kind of unlit alley streets between these large towering buildings so you could pull in the back and try to go in the rear entrance or you could pull up to the front door and theoretically they might let you in it wasn't clear on how you were going to get into the building one is obviously you walking through the street but you have a cat person uh, the other is much more hidden but if they are going to do something overtly hostile to you it is not visible to the general public the same way pulling up to the front door is all right sheriff there's a bunch of ways we can go in here so what do you think we could Go to the side alley, pull up to the front, park further away and walk. Clark brought a blanket. I could roll her up in it. 
Or she could just put it over her head. I want to go in as discreetly as possible because we're also going to carry a fuckload of weapons. That's true. Side entrance it is. Side alley. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. So you drive towards the Blue Rose Hotel. Uh, You pull into from the end of the block into that back alley street between the the two rows of buildings. You end up at the back of the hotel and then climb out. Uh, Everett uh, does not make it a secret that he is bringing like an automatic rifle and stuff like that. He assumes we're being watched at this point. Um, But uh, yeah, he's he's like. From he assumes from their perspective he would be an idiot not to arm himself. <laughs> so yeah. he's he's not worried about hiding that. He just doesn't want the public to see these guns and stuff like that. So he uh, he heads to uh, the side. Are there like people watching uh, outside, like guarding the door or anything like that? Uh, no one as of yet. But okay. as you all climb out of the vehicle and kind of strap on. Mm-hmm. I'm imagining you'd already be wearing the body armor, but like yeah. strap yeah. on the big guns. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you see at either end of the, at this side of the building. Cause again, it's the alleyway with the side alley street behind the hotel and the other buildings. Then each of them kind of has little alleys beside each building. The two closest have freezer trucks that just back into place and block the exit on both sides. Then the freezer trucks both have side doors on the trucks, which open outwards and it's just a metric fuck ton of goons. Just like a ton of muscly, tattooed dudes and ladies, mm-hmm. all just in like black t-shirts, black jeans, just shady as hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they just walk forwards and stop about five feet away from you. Just there's this wall of oh, people close. to these vehicles. Uh, none of them are armed. You don't see any weapons on any of them. They also are not afraid. And the door in front of you opens. And standing inside that door is Anastasia Jones, who Everett, you're seeing for the first time. Evangeline, you're seeing for the first time. Doris, seeing for the first time. Hmm. Val, you need to roll me a wits. (laughs) Uh, Actually, this would be intelligence and investigation, because this is not somebody from Calgary, but it might be somebody you've heard of. Okay. Nope, nothing. You don't know anything about Anastasia Jones either. Okay. Uh, Anastasia Jones is like one of those muscle-bound CrossFit-style <laughs> ladies. Uh, she is in a suit. It is tailored. It shows off all of those muscles, but in a way that as you watch her move, the suit still moves. This mm-hmm. is not, oh, you put the big person in a suit and it's stiff. This is like a custom-made suit that does not limit range of motion. Mm-hmm. You don't see any weapons on her. Probably doesn't That's, matter. <laughs> but if not more uncomfortable, it's clear from the way she moves that A, she might not need it, and B, she's probably carrying a bunch of things that you're just not aware of mm, to begin yeah. with. Her hair is in a tightly bound mohawk that goes straight back, and she's just got slate gray, kind of slightly dead eyes in the way that when you see any videos of Russian special forces hmm. where they just stand there and you're like, oh my God, that is a thousand yard stare. This is a woman who looks through anybody around her. She's just got really severe kind of sharp bone structure. And she just says, step inside. As you step through into the kitchens, you see they've been cleared of personnel that are of any sort of traditional kitchen variety, but two side doors open and just more goons walk in and just line the side walls as you step forwards. Two tables are carried out of the way and a massive 
metal scanner is brought in that one of the the big kind of like upside down u-shaped ones that scans inside it and they're like great let's take those weapons off we're not here to fuck around neither are we so we'll be holding on to them no you won't be this is a parlay i'm not armed none of these people are armed you do not need to be armed to meet with mr sanguino I, I, sorry, I'm just saying, like, with the how much you outnumber us, even without weapons, you're kind of armed. Yes. So if we're agreeing that no matter how this goes down, if we want to kill you, you're dead. Why push this here? Well, it's more of a question of how many of you would take down with us at that point. Doris has started taking out her weapons and putting them <laughs> yeah, There's just the table. a Doing guy with a black shirt steps forward and you could just load it into a bin. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I just have my little pistol and my my knife and that's it. Yeah, those will be returned on your way out. Fine. Val is doing it too because whatever. What fucking ever at this point. Okay. okay. Yeah, I'm sorry I like, said anything. It's a much nicer welcome don't, when I lived here. Don't worry about what you said. It's all fine. Shit goes in baskets. We all move forward. Sheriff. Being the last one with the guns... Everett sighs and fine gives over everything. He brought the extra revolver dishes that as well. Great. Did anybody try to keep anything to hang on to? I'm just checking. You keep your Derringer? No. No. Okay. Great. Val Val has sunglasses on. (laughs) Are they metal? No, I don't know. That's just the only (laughs) thing. Okay. No, no, that. I'm just checking because I'm like, literally my brain is going, would sunglasses settle metal detector off? And then I can just go, wait, I'm God. It doesn't set this one off. <laughs> um, you, you all go through the metal detector. It passes. You move into the lobby. And again, it's just as they walk you through kind of these back areas, every wall, even, even in the tight hallways in the back space where they can't line both sides because you can't fit. It's just thug, 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 thug in this solid line until you are walked out into the front lobby. Well, the front doors are closed. It just says private event. Uh, And you see thugs just filling this whole space Mm. as Anastasia walks you through them and into one of the elevators that has been held open and waiting. And she just gestures you all in. Doris looks up at Everett and just says, regimes do this when they're intimidated. I've seen it before. Oh, yeah. I'm quaking in my boots, Anastasia says as you (laughs) climb into the elevator. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she reaches down and hits the button for the second floor. Which is a surprise for Doris and probably Val for the symbolism of this. Because you would assume Mm -hmm. in a traditional, I'm going to show you what's going on, it would be the penthouse. Because that's where uh, Cleopatra did most of her business. Mm. But you're going to the second floor. And Anastasia just looks around and then looks at Everett and goes, having a rough night? Uh, You have uh, two holes in your torso. Yeah, and I'm I'm all fucked up. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. Uh, (laughs) Actually, kind of a regular night. (laughs) and the elevator dings because it was one floor Uh, and (laughs) you get out and see the same line of thugs on either side of this carpeted hallway and they walk you down towards the the farthest room over which bothers you deeply Doris because they're walking you to the door of the North Palace Ballroom which had been your realm inside this the Snuggle Palace Ballroom Uh, and as Anastasia opens the door, you all step into a room that is filled wall to fucking wall with vampires. 
You see a relative uniformity in that they all look like criminal fucking scumbags. Can you roll me wits and awareness checks, Val, Evangeline, and Doris? Hmm. Yep. Please don't do anything. Three successes. Uh, four successes. Two successes. Okay, this actually relatively checks out. Evangeline, you don't see a ton of vampires you recognize. Mm -hmm. uh, there is always a question in any of these Civil War scenarios. Are you going to show up and see all of the people you thought were your friends or rivals right. on this side? You are not, at least not in this meeting. But this is a shitload of vampires. This In this room alone is nearly as many vampires as you have in all of New Haven. Because you've only okay. got, even including the Tremere, about 190 vampires. There are nearly 200 vampires in this room. And you know this is a show of strength, which will be a considerable move for them. But they still have to have enough people on the streets that it's not like, oh, we're having a party. Now, you know, the loyalists get to take over the town. So significant threat. Val, you are surprised to see not a lot of the people you would have known as criminals. Right. This is a lot of like out of towners, realistically, mm -hmm. which was like, oh, so this was a big push from somewhere else. This wasn't necessarily a, mm. oh, we came in and like took over, which might also explain to you why this war has been going on, because it's like, oh, it wasn't we worked from the inside. It was yeah. we marched in with a shitload of people with guns. Now, anybody who wasn't with us is against us. Mm -hmm. Doris, the thing that you notice as the elder vampire of the bunch looking at this crowd, <laughs> a bunch of them are new vampires. You can see that there are a bunch of thin bloods. There are a bunch of people who are of kind of the lowest generations, mm -hmm. which means to you they're producing vampires at a rapid rate. Okay. Which means a bunch of vampires are dying on the regular. Why would that? Why would they be dying on the regular? Because they're getting killed by the loyalists war like the war is killing vampires and they are mass producing vampires oh. to give themselves more foot soldiers okay okay so that's very kind of telling for you okay ever can you roll me a wits and awareness as in like this isn't as going as well for them as they Correct. wanted yeah got it okay they've got a lot of vampires but a bunch of them are fresh as opposed to like experienced dangerous yeah. veterans mm -hmm. and you would know every time a vampire makes like sires a new vampire mm -hmm. that vampire is weaker than them they're one further generation down the chain so their yeah. abilities are worse right okay three successes Everett, you've looked at a lot of criminal organizations over time there's a lot of organization here in loyalty which is really creepy but you're also aware of blood bonding as a factor that can be abused by criminal organizations the big thing is this seems more militaristic than criminal mm. this whole move is not underground like a militia yeah this is clearly a group that is on war footing. They're not probably as subtle as you would have expected. No, none of this is subtle. This is <laughs> wild. But like, this is just big show of strength. But I think for you, it's, oh, this is a town at war. This is not a criminal war in the way you are used to. Sure. Of yeah, like, okay. oh, it's underground and they're just going to be, you know, occasionally like ripping each other There's off. There's a mutual understanding of like, we can't make this too big or yeah. else. This is... Oh, fuck. Okay, everybody's decided that, like, we can't blow the masquerade, but if we create a shitload of vampires and just mind wipe everybody, Shit. we can leave bodies in the streets. Mm. Okay. Can I whisper something without being heard? Or is you can that... try. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, or, I think... do you, or do you have any magic that would allow you to do that? Because I don't know what spells you've got. No, I don't have any, like, mental communication magic. No. Um... Then you can try, or you can try to write something down and pass it along. Mm -hmm. You know what? I don't think she cares if they hear this, but I think, um, I think, yeah, I think just very, she would just sidle up to Everett and just kind of look up and just say, um, 
New vampires means there's um, the loyalists are giving them more of a fight than they expected, sir. Mm. Mm. All right. And the crowd in front mm. of you continues to part as you're moving toward deeper into the ballroom. And as you look up, you can see mortals in cages Ooh. that are oh. just emaciated and tired. Can you roll no. me uh, wits and awarenesses? Everybody? Everybody. Two successes. Two. This is a place where you may not share everything you see, so I need to know what everybody individually yeah. sees. Two. Two, great. It's four successes. Four? Two. Two. Three. Three. Okay, the two who get twos, you just know that there are emaciated bodies in cages. Uh, Val and Everett, when you look up, Val, I think you know this through experience. Everett, you know this due to your own food proclivities and your sense of smell. There are a couple of mortals up there that just seem to be tempting everyone else in cages up top with a scent, but the majority of the emaciated bodies are vampires who are being starved out of their mind and given just enough blood to panic and starve again. So mm -hmm. they don't fall fully into torpor. They're constantly in a state of a hunger frenzy, but they're so tired that they can't recharge. Oh, I don't like any of this. What yeah. would be the point of that? It sounds like a hell of a punishment to you. You know what it's oh. like. As, like You yeah. wouldn't know that, Doris, but... I mean, Doris would know that this kind of punishment would exist, but you just think their body's up there. Right. But okay, for right. Val, and Val right. would be aware that this is like the worst fate and right. the worst punishment you can give, which is you don't kill a vampire. Instead, you put them into that, like, mm -hmm. there's nothing inside you but the beast, and the beast is screaming at you to feed, and you are just chained two feet from a mortal you can eat. Mm -hmm. And you just can't get there. And they let you fall into torpor and bring you back up just enough to be at the Ugh. screaming hunger again mm -hmm. and just do that for either as long as the punishment has been deemed necessary or eternity. Jesus. So, you know, criminal organizations rule through shit. fear. Yeah. Yeah. But this is different than Lilith shit. Mm -hmm. This is not a magical punishment. This is an old medieval. Yeah. yeah. What are you going to do to scare vampires? Feels like almost this is more fucked up. Yeah. This is <laughs> more human. Yeah. Uh, Again, you Evangeline just think bodies is, in cages. Yeah. Event, but just that is enough That's for up too. Evangeline to be very fucked up. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. That, that sounds about right. Uh, and you get to the end of this parting crowd and you see that there are steps. And as you look up, you see more and more figures step out of the way until there is a large throne at the top of this made of silver. It has hmm. no padding, hmm. but there is clearly a vampire sitting on this throne wearing leather gloves and a full suit. This is a statement of supreme confidence in one's own ability to slip for a moment will be exposure to silver. It will be a scar that could last forever. You get the feeling this vampire does not slip. And you all realize that this regal-looking man in his 20s, who has deep black hair, piercing eyes, looks like the stereotypical ultra-handsome mobster rebellious son, but with the composure and ruthless perfection of an elderly Don, sitting on this chair must be Felix Sanguino. The ruler of the new Note Nostra in Calgary, and the one who summoned you into his realm. 
This episode of Blood and Syrup features the voices of Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Claire Blackwood at Claire Blackwood on Twitter, Del Borvik at Deltastic on Twitter, Laura Hamstra at EL Hamstring on Twitter, and storyteller Ryan Laplante at The Ryan Laplante on Twitter. This episode was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and Blood and Syrup's artwork was created by Del Borvik at delborvik.com. That's D E L B O R O V I C. Our theme songs are What's Really Going On Right Now by Chase Allen Willis and Traffic by Kai Engel, and our ads use the tracks No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J A H Z Z A R. All of their music is available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com, our Twitter and Instagram at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. We also have merchandise available at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice. And most importantly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. Sleep well, my kindred. Sleep well in this world of darkness. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, Richard Cranium, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Logan, Fire Unfriendly, Grandma Likes D&D, Alan, Stabby Stranger, Glitch Trick, Flynn1138, Alorain Okapi, OMG It's Big Nick, D&D and Things, Schrodinger's Pepper, Guy Edwards, Flea Unit, Madre de Gatos, Lady Maiden, Nithrian, Garbo Ape, Locke, Sam Schaefer, Waffle Marine, Dagger Rain, Rob L, Dia de los Hoodless, Diovasis, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.